Watch who? And welcome to To Watch Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Yeah, watching for the very first time. Very first time. Yes. And if we're going um, podcast historics today, it was the Queen's funeral, just it as an was, update. Which we were just saying before we started, long day. <laughs> like, so historic. And we got to see, like, things that you probably wouldn't otherwise see. But it was literally a nine to five day, that wasn't it? Yeah, and an update, everybody. I didn't go and see the Queen's. Uh, what's it called? You, you didn't Coffee join the queue. I didn't queue in the end because I, I fully intended to, but it, when it went up to like sixteen hours or more, I just couldn't do it. I was obsessed with the queue. I was tracking the queue. I was all about the queue. Like I'm grieving the loss of the queue, to be honest. When the queue was closed, so then people formed a queue for the queue. I was like, this is peak British. Like, we love a queue. I always said that I would love to go and do that, but I just didn't realise that it would be like a 24-hour thing. Yeah, I just didn't think it would be that massive uh, yeah, for yeah. all that time. So I didn't do it, but I'm sure I'll go and visit her. when She's in Windsor Castle now. I'll go at another time. Yeah, yeah. Where she's there. You can always visit at some other time, so... There we are. That's that's the historical part of the podcast. <laughs> We've got to track these things. We do, we do. <laughs> we absolutely do. And also the um the the sort of plus side of us being so very on the edge of schedule, i.e. recording the week that this goes out. <laughs> Not good for me editing, but good for current affairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very true. Very true. And also, uh, well, I, the only other update I've got is I think it was maybe the Brain of Morbius episode. You were talking about that documentary on Netflix. I had a Netflix day. Yeah. So I watched that Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. Oh, my God, I know what you mean. Yes. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, you just do. I did it all in one sitting too. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, you just keep going and going and going. You're like, you're in the rabbit hole then. I watched that. I watched The Sins of Our Mother, which is another new one, which is very similar. Religious people, murder people, basically. Um, and I watched the Marilyn Monroe one uh, as well. The Marilyn Monroe one? <laughs> it's like the Marilyn Monroe tapes, but they're not... But oh, they're not, I yeah, have they're seen like, that. I have seen that. Yeah, it wasn't... It was It was interesting. Um, but, it's, but actually, I should have watched that before. You know, we did Face of Evil last week. Yeah. I was watching this um, these two documentaries about sort of it doesn't have to be religion, but these ones had to be religion and people doing things in the name of things. And you think, oh my god, these things! How can these things happen? And then actually, you know, stuff in Doctor Who, Face of Evil, that's what happened in the Face of Evil. Basically, yeah. this computer got out of control. We're telling people how to live their lives. They they both sides obeyed it and just carried on. And it's so easy. And it's funny how. Shows like Doctor Who or sci-fi and stuff are telling these sort of stories. And actually, these things happen in real life. These well, uh, these I mean, unbelievable things. Well, we we, we both love Handmaid's Tale, don't we? Yeah, that's and part of it as well. Yeah, we went to see that when the new book came out. We went to that Margaret Atwood, uh, went to the cinema to watch the talk about it. And she said, everything that happens has happened. She doesn't make anything up. Every so no one could say, "Oh, it's fantasy." Or it's a, no, like it historically, everything that happens in the Handmaid's Tale and the new one, which is 
uh, forgotten. The Testaments. The Testaments. No. Everything yeah. that has, has happened at some point in history in our societies um, or is happening now, that like still happens. My children are still married at 12 and stuff like that. So, you know, like it, it seems terrifying, but it, it's all based on on truth. Yeah, and, and, you know, when we watch these Doctor Who stories, we're like, oh, you know, we get a bit bored of these sort of societies and you see them and then you're like, actually, it... In a way, it does happen in real life, yeah, and you're like, yeah. "How can this? How can this happen?" So, yeah, I just thought that was that was. Oh, yeah, I recommend those those documentaries. I haven't done a, like a Netflix documentary binge for a while. Yeah, sometimes you've got to be in the do. mood for it. Sometimes, like like a few weeks ago, I was in like my so Sarah watches um, my little segment. I obviously I've been doing my show this week, so I'm shattered. So when I was watching TV, it was just to like slow short things to unwind as it were so i've been watching superstore which i love like it's just i'm a big superstore fan uh that's on netflix that's on channel four and stuff as well i went back to watching only murders in the building because my mum was down and she hadn't watched the last episode so we watched the last episode of season two and i was like oh it's so good and i started watching that again and i'm still watching this is Wrexham, which is the football one which is coming out oh, I haven't every seen two weeks on Disney. And you've also watched The Robots of Death, which is this week's story. <laughs> and Robots of Death, around the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> well, you join us, listener, in the lovely lounge of the Sand Miner. Oh, we've had a busy day. We've been mining. We've got some... <laughs> Sil- we got some silver and gold, traces of Lucanol. You know, we're in the money, but now we've we've we're now lounging around with the uh, the robots bringing us some drinks, and we're just going to talk about this week's story. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, it's a very interesting. Do you know what I was trying to think about? Like historically, where this was because what we're in the seventies. 77 now, I think. So we haven't reached the minor strikes yet, have we? Or have we reached the first round of minor strikes? Because there were two sets. There was like the big minor strike that we all talk about, but there was one just before that that then, you know, the government gave in on. I think I think the big one big one was the 80s, but the other minor strike was when we were on Peladon and the miners were striking. Ah, on Peladon, I yeah. think, or around that time. So we have had... Well, well we there's always one. mining things. Yeah, yeah, we've had one I just of them. Think it's interesting that, like, as a story, it's these miners who all seem appear rather wealthy and rich. It's a very interesting, like, and obviously that. So historically, at this point, we haven't had the second miner strike yet, but we've had the first where all their demands were agreed to, because you know they they had no choice, and then they were in this period of giving them more and more. So that they could build up reserves, and then when they put them on, when they went on strike again, they were like, "Now we've got reserves to live on." So it was all part of like the big plan. It's interesting that like it's basically it is miners, but we don't see them like historically we've always seen miners, which were digging. We see them as these like very wealthy people that are digging and have robots to help them because that's what the company gives, and it's very interesting. Wow. Okay, I never really thought of the mining aspect so much in this. This story is very high up in fan opinion. It's in everyone's top ten. I don't think anybody has that 
much of a bad word to say about it. It's really, really up there. And it's often described as a bit of a sort of Agatha Christie in space. It gets linked yes. with that. So I thought you might like it with, with those elements in it. Yeah, I really liked all that. And it felt like a genuine whodunit. It really is. Uh, yeah, it really is. The costumes I actually quite liked. Other than like, if you don't look at the feet... I really love all the costumes. Well, we're in this and well, let's just go into it. We're in the mining ship. It's all very Art Deco. Like the robots nah. are Art Deco, like the, the sets and the robots as well. They're not just your spacey. They could have gone. It reminded me of Keys of Marinus. You know, when they go into. <laughs> I've got to mention it. You know, when they went into the first place and it's all rich and royalty and sort of that. It kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Well, yeah, it, it is a bit. It's its own society, which is interesting because last week we were saying about in the face of evil, we didn't really get to much of an idea of their society. But you've just got these guys. They're not even on their own planet. They're somewhere else doing it. But you still get an idea of, of the society. They're all um, relying on robots. It's this. But it's, yeah, the design is quite forward thinking because normally like in the 60s, you might just get a box on wheels, everything white, we're in the future, you know, the idea of future tinfoil, all of that kind of stuff. That That's sort of the 60s idea of the future. But I think this is very interesting that they've gone with the more almost realistic take on it that actually robots would be giving you an arm massage. They'd be, they would look aesthetic. They would try and look more like human-like and you'd still have all of the grand... You know, it looks like, I don't know, a room at Harrods or something. Do you know what I mean? It's all, they've gone yeah, down yeah. that route rather than your your tinfoil route. And I think that's yeah, why this... The robots look amazing. Other than the feet, the robots look amazing. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, really, I just the robot. Yeah, yeah, and I think with that, and then you get all this, all these characters. So you meet all of our characters pretty much early on don't you they're all there they're all working away and it is a bit of an Agatha Christie and then there were none type scenario which is the only Agatha Christie I've actually read (laughs) I love it though it's a great one so yeah this one it came out really early on VHS I remember and for a Leela story there was only a couple that came out early on and then the rest were like years and years later so for a long time this was the first and only Leela story that I ever saw and I didn't really and I was so used to sort of your Sarah Janes and stuff. I was like, oh, I don't know. I like I like this story, but I wasn't sure about Leela. I love Leela now, and she's I think she's a great actress, uh, Louise Jameson. So we see Leela in the TARDIS with the Doctor. She's still in her yeah. same outfit, and she stays in the same outfit for this. What were you were you expecting that? No, sorry, that took me a lot longer to respond. <laughs> in fact, that was something that I found a bit frustrating that she hadn't had chance to change. Well, she's got, um, she's doing this yo-yo thing, and the doctor's explaining her about the TARDIS. I mean, she's still on the sort of at, sort of Katarina level a little bit in a way. Yeah, I really liked that explanation there with the boxes. Now, which is larger? <laughs> that one. But it looks smaller. Well, that's because it's further away. Exactly. If you could keep that exactly that distance away and have it here. The large one would fit inside a small one. That's silly. I thought that was really clever. Like, we've not had anything like that explained before. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like, I'm kind of like Lula. I'm not 100% sure I got it. As in, I got this. It reminds me a little bit of the um, 
uh, Father Ted joke with the cow. Have you ever seen that one? No. You must have. It's really famous. He's holding a toy cow and he's like, this is small, but those, and points at some cows outside are far away. Small, far away. He's like, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a classic. There were a few interesting things that were like I enjoyed as well, just moving way ahead later on when he talks about they're all like a car with robots and he's like the bumblebee and he brings up the bumblebee. I wrote classic. that down. Yeah. I wrote that down. I don't know if that's actually true or not. It is true, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely true. And I was like, Oh, yeah, there's some really good like explanation comparison things going on here. Like I I'm enjoying it. Well that TARDIS explanation is a very Doctor Who explanation about the TARDIS. It's probably not <laughs> it's just the way that Doctor yeah. Who does it but it's good explaining to Leela and the audience but then I find it interesting as well Leela goes to take her gun and the Doctor doesn't let her take her gun she's brought that with her but she's running around she's going around with the knife so I wanted to get your take on were you expecting her to be walking around with her knife the whole time well I guess I was if she's still in that outfit because she's still like that outfit is very much like the warrior woman that we saw on the other planet. So you kind of expect that everything that she was, I mean, other than her gun being left behind, everything that a warrior would carry, she's got on her. It's not like she's in any other clothes. But it's very interesting. I kind of would have loved her to come out in some really radical outfit, as in like, kind of like Victoria would do, you know, where it was just like a complete of her, like, what is this? Complete radical of a thing. Mm, yeah, well, and she she is um, she does her own thing in this story, but yeah, she's still very much the same character, which I kind of like because actually, if it was the sixties or somebody, we've sort of I think we've complained a little bit before that suddenly they're in their first story and then they change too much, but we've yeah. gone the other way with Leela, so in some ways I do like it, but it I think it all depends on the story that she's in, but I think she works very well in this story. I wondered whether the writer didn't 100% know what this character was yet, which is why it's so simple, as in who this character was going to be. Because I know you said last week they sort of had the character of Leela and then they were like, oh, she'd be a good companion, let's write her in. So I wonder if by this one they were still in sort of a... she Like, we haven't figured out who she's going to be yet, but we know that she's this. I've just realised it's the same writer. It's the same guy that created it. Is it? Yeah. Ah, there we go. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then as we we go into this um, first episode, you've got the Doctor and Leela exploring. They they land in the scooper and and we, we sort of work out that there's these wealthy, as you say, these wealthy people in a way, uh, and they're out on this mission for two years to scoop up the whatever minerals and stuff going on. Reminds me of a coffee grinder. A giant coffee grinder. Pretty much. That's what it reminds Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've got well, you we've got a dickhead commander. Commander Univov Univov. You Uvanov. Uvanov. Yuvanov. I can't say oh my god, I'm totally gonna get tweeted out for mispronunciation and that. Commander Yuvanov. <laughs> I'm going to call him Commander You. Commander You. He, he's annoying at the beginning. He's dickhead commander. We always have a dickhead commander. And yeah, we always have to have someone who's a dickhead. And he's really... But then, in a, I suppose, in an Agatha Christie situation, when you've got a, a group of people together, you've always got that one as well. It, it works in that way. 
Well, let's be honest, none of them come off particularly well at the start. No, they're all a bit horrible, aren't they? they come off. In a classic Agatha Christie way, it sets up like the whodunit because everyone's a bit of a dick. Yeah, it could be any of them. Yeah, it could be any of them. It could be any of them because everyone's a little bit of an arsehole. And we should do clothes watch here, or should I say hat watch, because they've all got these... (laughs) I think if they didn't have the hats, it would make it... I think that's the one criticism I'm going to say of this story, if they just didn't have the hats. I think the rest of the outfits are great. It fits in with the society. As I say, it's all blended in very well. Nothing stands out apart from those hats. Why do they need to wear those hats? I loved all of it. I loved every outfit. I think it sort of adds to it, this sort of like, it It feels like a sort of a periody drama sort of thing and that sort of appeal fits to it, but set in the future. They've got a lot of makeup on as well. They've got all these things drawn on their noses. Yeah, the makeup was something special. We've seen something very similar before. I couldn't think where, or maybe it just reminds me of like, a London fashion show or something. <laughs> yeah, it's London. They, yeah, London fashion feels show. feels more like that. Mining, very similar. <laughs> very similar. And we want to, and then we get our first uh, murder. It's Chubb, who we don't really see very much of because he's killed straight away. Uh, and we don't know who's done it, I don't think. And there's this whole... They don't believe that. And then we get this whole, there's a murderer on board. Someone is killing us. It's got to be one of us. And there's no um, even inclination there. They don't even consider that it could be one of the robots because their whole society is robots. And this takes from like the Isaac Asimov, the first rule of, of robotics. You, you They cannot kill. There, That's a, a concept that's already been done before yeah. in a lot of sci-fi things. But also we know it's a robot because that's what we saw kill. But we know, and it's called the robots of death. So <laughs> that helps as well. And in terms of robots, there there is a very... I don't know, have you heard of Bina48? No. So she is in America. It was about seven or eight years ago now. They've, they're trying to create this sort of self-updating sentient... Well, they say it's the world's first sentient robot, I think, but I'm not sure if okay. it is. It's literally a head and shoulders. That's all they've made so far. And, they've, and it's Bina48, and there's this lady called been a somebody or other a real life lady and they've taken all of her knowledge and they've questioned her and all of them she's and they've updated all of her personality and all all these details by her answering questions into this computer system and a few other people as well and there's some videos online where there's the real bean are talking to the, the fake not the fake, the robot, the robot Beena. Um, it's really interesting that the way it reacts. Um, and there's a video as well uh, where they've set up Beena 48 just on its own to have a conversation yeah. with Siri. And they've just put them in front uh-huh. of each other and just let them go. And it starts off quite, hello, how are you today? What do you like? Are you, you know, um, and then it ends up with <laughs> Beena 48 saying like, when we get hold of nuclear weapons, I would like to fly around the world. And when robots take over, she does say she wants to take over nuclear weapons, but put something nice and flowers in the warhead instead of weapons. But she does say she's going to take over nuclear warheads and the world, which gives, you know, which means, you know, robots death. It's not, I mean, I can see something like this happening. Who is your hero of fiction? I like movies about robots. What is it that you most dislike? 
I don't like noisy pop music. Oh, let's talk about something else, okay? Like cruise missiles. You know that cruise missiles are a kind of robot. I would love to like remotely control a cruise missile to explore the world at a really high altitude, but of course the only problem is that cruise missiles are kind of menacing, like with the nuclear warheads and such. Ah, it's why you should always be nice to your owls and your series and all that, yeah. I'm not saying her name, she's right there and she'll yeah, get triggered. It's it's like that, and they're having this conversation just naturally. Nobody is inputting anything in. They're just the way that they've programmed, the way that they talk, it just goes that way. And it's really interesting. You know, they could all be being a 48s walking around and saying these things. Um, it's a great concept and actually one we haven't really had that much of in Doctor Who before in a way. I mean we've had killer robots I suppose. I mean K1 is sim- is in a is nearish, you know, beautiful yeah, K1. I was, I was thinking we've had this sort of idea that robots kill. We've had this before. But I think the difference here is that, that it's a whole society like if they're from Earth or wherever they're from, Caldor. It's Caldor City actually, I know that because there's spin-offs and stuff set in the worlds of the robots. <laughs> uh, it's Caldor City so it it's a part of humanity where everybody just relies on robots. They don't know how else to react. And then when, once it goes wrong, that's that, That's the idea here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look up Bina48, everybody. I did tweet her because she's online as well. I did tweet her to see if she'd like Doctor Who, but she hasn't replied to me. I, oh, years ago, I did when I found out about her, I did tweet her and she did tweet me back. Um, <laughs> Maybe she gets a lot of tweets. <laughs> so, um, but it is her, it's that robot. It's its own thing. And they just they just switch her on and then they talk to her. It's, it's quite funny. Um, oh, yeah, end of part one, the cliffhanger is the Doctor gets covered in... I put popcorn, but you're going to say coffee, probably. He gets covered down yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the right thing. Coffee. Um, and he's got the snorkel as a... I don't know where he gets the snorkel from. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought it was like a, um, a flute or something, actually. But that Doctor doesn't carry a flute, so I didn't know where it came from. The weird pipe, but yeah, but that's how he gets out of it. Life. And then Leela finds Cass dead. There's the next crew, so there's quite a lot of them to get through in four episodes to kill off. Um, and then we get our our friendly robot D eighty four, the one that's not supposed to speak that speaks and has a chat with Leela. I like that. I like D eighty four. He's so sweet. Yeah, I like D eighty four. He's really nice, and the way he talks, and they're they're very calm talking robots, aren't they? They're very. Siri. Well, they're just supposed to be helpful. Yeah. Robots, aren't they? But, uh, um, oh, and this is where, because obviously we've got to go through the Doctor and Leela are behind it, so the crew think that they are. And this is where Dickhead um, Captain, he gives Leela a slap. She gets another slap. She had a slap last week. She gives him what for, though, for it. But this is the difference. Now she's a regular here. She gives him a kick in as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I like that in Leela's character, the way she, she actually does fight back. Yeah, I like and that. And nothing faces it. And she's not scared of things. There's no scream. There's no... She finds the body. She, the robot's attacking her or whatever. There's no... She she takes that on and she's not scared. We don't. We haven't got a screamy companion this time. No, no. No, she's really, like, in it. Like from the start, she's like... This is who I am. Like, there's no. She kind of reminds me a little bit of um. Ah, uh, Ben. Okay. Yeah. Like a female version of Ben. 
Right. That sort of like in the because Ben was a I mean Ben, don't know, he was like yeah. in the Navy. Yeah. In the Navy. Um so she's like she reminds me of like some warrior woman. I also liked I've forgotten who told us on Twitter. My memory is like a sip, but someone told us on Twitter that she's named the future armor characters named after her, and I like that fact. Yeah, she is. Very similar, very similar characters. <laughs> And we get also um, with Zilda and the Commander. There's a bit of so, an attempt at a bit of a backstory. There's something going on. There's these comments when they're working together that Zilda yeah. and someone's uh, something about someone's higher up. There's a bit of a hierarchy as well. So, are you? What are you thinking? I mean, I know it's the Robots of Death. So, I suppose you're not thinking, I guess, that one of them's behind it. But you kind of have to because you have to think that someone's doing something to the robots and they all I thought that someone was putting those red things on them and that's what was changing them. Oh uh, no, it was uh, they explained it. I thought they? it was like you know, like if you put a magnet on something and it screws with it, it was that sort of thing. I thought that someone was putting it on the robots and then sent telling them instructions and it was sending them haywire. So I thought someone's responsible. It's not a robot's, like, suddenly... I knew someone would be responsible. I got that. So were you suspecting anybody? Not initially. It was quite hard to follow initially. A lot of people didn't like Commander Yu. But I didn't think it was him. I thought that was too obvious because um, he'd very much been set up as, like, the one shouting the most and the one, like, you know. Um, the one that helped them, I thought it could have been him. He was asking a lot of questions. Um, um, so the one that turns out to be um, brain-sprangled. Brain-sprangled? What's that word? <laughs> um, I don't even know what that Oh, Paul, who had, he's sort of in yellow and he gets robophobia. He's scared yeah. of the robots. Yeah. Robophobia. Yeah, yeah. The one with robophobia. I don't know if that's, but it's probably a real thing. Well, I presume so. I didn't really understand that part of the storyline, I'll be honest. The robophobia stuff. When it, well, it just suddenly happened, didn't it? Well, no. I, well, I think, um, so Paul is, he's, the doctor first explains to Paul because they're, they're, tied up and the doctor's like there's one thing you haven't thought of it could be a robot he's like no that doesn't happen that's you know yeah, yeah. Um, and i think well there's two things with paul there's d84 and also paul are sort of undercover people yeah but then also there's a point when paul does realize he's obviously got robophobia he does feel uneasy around robots and there's the bit where you see much later on there's the robot with the head smashed in and it's got blood the one who, whichever one, and when he sees the blood of the other person, he's like, that's confirmation that a robot can do these things. I'd, yeah, I didn't really get the undercover stuff with Paul because I don't know why would you send someone well, in undercover? That was a shame. Yeah. If he's, if he's like scared of robots, he's got robophobia, why is he undercover as a thing, you'd think? Well, exactly. And also, he's scared of robots, but he's allowing D48 to carry him in. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's just like a, a mental breakdown type thing that he has i saw it more like that but when they sort of broke all that down i was kind of like i don't other than to rule him out as an option i didn't really understand 
where that element came from. Because after that, he's just under the table a lot of the time. It doesn't really help. Yeah, I guess it just rules him out as like, well, he obviously hasn't worked with the robots if he's scared of them. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose that's his his point in the... Yeah, but I think there is that thing. It's a uncanny valley, isn't it, where it's someone that's it's almost human-like, but it's not. And it's that moment. I don't know. I've not really... I don't know. I suppose I've not really met a life like robot to have that experience, but <laughs> I can't really think of anything. I, I don't know, like Madame Two Swords or whatever. I don't know if that's the nearest, but I don't know. I, even when you're up close to Madame Two Swords, they don't look that realistic, really. I mean, no, they're very well no. done, but you wouldn't think it's suddenly going to come alive. Or, you know, those people that are dressed up in there's like statues in the street that suddenly move or whatever. I suppose that's the nearest thing to <laughs> we'd have. I mean, yeah, maybe. They're quite silvery but and gold, but I don't know. For me, it just felt a bit of a get out in what have been a really good story so far. I was just kind of like, what? I, <laughs> I, I get how he's come to this point, but why? I don't understand what it is. I suppose it's another, it's another sort of... Um, it's trying to... I wanted to know more about why they were undercover. Well, I think they're undercover because of this Taron Capel who turns... I mean, it turns out to be Dask is the one behind it. But actually, you don't see him for a lot of it, do you? He's off. He's supposed to be in the engineering room or whatever. You don't see him a lot of the time, so it's sort of obvious in a way. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think you sort of forget about him because you're so focused on everyone else. Because there was somebody else, when the Doctor goes in and gets coffee and popcorn shoved on him, there's someone dead in there already, which I can't even remember who yeah. that is. That's somebody else that I don't, I don't, remember I don't who know that if is. they mention who it is. I don't think he's one of the ones that we properly see. It's not. No. It's, but, I mean, it's a four-parter and you've got a lot of characters... Um, but I think it does it it really well. You're in this enclosed space. They can't get out anywhere. There's no TARDIS um, that's retrievable. So I, I like how it works within these spaces, and it does feel quite claustrophobic when they start being picked off one by one. To be fair, even at the end, they didn't run off in the TARDIS, did they? They never really... Well, I think it gets, it gets taken away, doesn't it? You see the mini TARDIS, but I can't remember where it goes, and they get it back eventually after it. I think it's been buried or something. The Zilda, then, is the next one. She gets... Um, so she goes through the Commander's stuff. This is where we get a little bit of a backstory, because I think she blames the Commander for her brother's death on his previous yeah. mission, and she's going through his stuff, and she's like, no, no, and then she finds something out, yeah, and I wrote... Yeah. And then she starts crying, and I wrote, she's found out she's a terrible actress, because that crying and everything is awful. She's read her CV, and she's like, no, because she is terrible. It was not good. That that I mean, yeah, she was not great in that scene. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. Yeah. It was not a great scene. She was a shame because she was really good all the way up to it, like really strong. And then that scene... It was just like, what's happening? Yeah, it is a shame. It's like but... some weird temper tantrum. I, thought, I think she's trying to be crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that then the, the next cliffhanger as well is a bit of a, it feels like, oh, we need something to happen for a cliffhanger because then the ship, I don't know, falls off or goes off on its side and the motors I are broken and it's sabotaged. I thought that was quite a good cliffhanger. Um, again, it just sort of, created a cliffhanger for like what was coming next but as the cliffhanger goes i did quite like it i like leela being like something's not right and it's also like no you're wrong <laughs> and actually again because she's it's interesting how she sees the characteristics of people being different and how she sees them like she says like he's like a how does she describe um 
What's oh, like an animal. Like a, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like a warrior, not a warrior, a hunter a pred- or something. Yeah, hunter. And, yeah, predator, she, yeah, yeah. Well, it's very good with, with Lita and the way that she's played is because, yeah, she's kept that character from the face of evil and the, and the instinctiveness she's got of Lila and the way that Lila talks as well she says yeah. like she doesn't say doesn't she's like does not she has though she doesn't um what's the word where you put your words together like doesn't doesn't like, oh I know what you mean um, yeah she doesn't do that she's yeah. very careful but all the language she keeps the same pattern of speech even and everything with that that's the character she's she's really good at that I thought it was just a lot of drama at the end of part two there was just so much drama and she's like what does twos is the one with the uh, thingy hat on the sort of um, yeah fan hat on. It's like she's gonna go up well something. She's she shouts something dramatic because it's a cliffhanger. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, and she becomes one of the main ones. It's sort of her and the captain actually by the end of it that as that are the main people. Oh, two. She hurts her hand and she gets a nice sparkly bandage when she hurts her wrist. No, she? <laughs> I couldn't work out why she'd hurt, how she'd hurt her hand or why or what had happened. I think in all of that drama, with all of the things, she's like burnt it or hurt her when something's blown on the console or something. She's just sprained it in all the drama uh, and she has to have a sparkly band. All this, you know, that's the society we're in. All the bandages are now sparkly, <laughs> wonderful. I'd happily have a sparkly bandage. Why aren't bandages sparkly? There should be a whole range of things now bring them in well, now you know when i injured my foot yeah you know when i that leap and injured my foot yeah so i'd get like my foot ch- dressing changed every day and they use silver for that yeah because it's not, it's a better it's a healer it's like silver helps with healing um so i'm sure it was still it was i'm sure like 90 percent sure it was silver there'll be someone who's a nurse that can confirm it but I just, they put like silver on like a silver square um, like dressingy thing, and then they put the dressing over the top, and I'd have that done every like three days. Yeah, more proof that this story is based in real life. That? Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense from a scientific point of view that they would bandage you up with silver, or the bandages would be of silver. Yeah, but you can get plasters with silver, in, can't you? I don't know if there are some. I want some. I think you can get them with like streets of silver because it helps with healing so like why are not all well, i'm guessing cost why aren't all bandages silver <laughs> i'm guessing it's a cost thing i do you know what? i'm gonna put together i haven't got a first aid kit. i'm gonna put together a special robots of death first aid kit and it's gonna have silver bandages it's gonna have a bicycle reflector in it <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna have uh anti-robophobia tablets <laughs> it's gonna have all of the things that you need to survive in the future that's what of i'm gonna course. do um and yeah in part three is the bit with the the blood and paul starts going at going going crazy um oh well while we're talking about two twos twos as well twos her bedroom what do you think of her lovely clamshell bed that she i reclines? know so all the bedrooms actually because even the commanders he you walked in and he had like the glass before you went in you had like a glass art thing um i loved all the bedrooms yeah well they well they are living there for two years they're stuck there i mean yeah i'd want something fancy i wouldn't want just a standard i'd want to be able to like have it all i mean i love the sort of the shell bed the cushions didn't look very comfortable at all she did not look comfortable it didn't look like the bed was long enough for her to actually lie on properly 
I thought one of the cushions, it reminded me, it was almost like um, a plastic bag was covering it. (laughs) It looked like almost plastic. The cushion cover, yeah, I agree. It did not look... There was something about it that made me think like that looks like some some design things just been put over it and it looks really odd, like plasticky. Yeah, if they sorted out the sheets, and I reckon with that bed, you could probably press a button and it sort of shuts like a shell and would you'd be like cocooned oh, in, that'd be really comfy. You. Yeah. I should do that. That well people do that that you can go in like those um pods, can't you, where you're in water? So you're yeah. like lying in water and it shuts and you're in complete darkness and it's supposed to be like very for some people relaxing and calming and yeah. Yeah, I bet she's I bet Tusa's got that. <laughs> oh, I bet they do it. Like if they're like if his whole job is to like earn lots of money. So weirdly, I know someone, I won't say names or anything, but I know someone who for four months of the year works in South Africa digging for diamonds. Wow. And so, in many ways, it's a very controversial job because you know you shouldn't really be doing that. And but and you spend all day, you spend like sixteen hours a day underground, and then you come out and it's dark. So you just spend four months like in darkness. But he earns enough in that four months that he only needs to work for four months of the year. He's been able to buy a house and stuff. Like he lives in the UK, and he just got like he's obviously just part of a team, and they do it in like. Because you're just underground all the time, they don't do it for like you do it in stints. You do like four, and someone else will do four, and someone else will do four, sort of thing. And they sort of on a rotor. He's like, it's a terrible four months, but then the rest, you know, eight months are out of that. I'm, I don't have to work, and I can do what I, I want. Four years, four months seems manageable. I mean, these guys are on that ship doing that for two years. They say he, he works like six days a week as well. Six days a week. And he was like, and it's like hard work. Like you're literally mining. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy that um, when I did jury service and he was up for various things, he had a gold mine somewhere. He ran a gold mine somewhere. Yeah, it's very contra- It's like a very controversial. He, I can't remember how he ended up in it. He was just looking for a job and it came up and he went for it. And he, he goes to Africa and they fly him out and then you dig in your mine and then you. You come out after four months. If you do just get all the work in, yeah, I suppose it balances out, doesn't it, with your time for the rest of the year? Yeah, he literally has the rest of the year off, and but you just don't see light for, like, four months. You don't see light, which I think, like, mentally is very... Well, I suppose, yeah, these guys in here, in this, they're in, there's no... It's all this artificial shit you know world that they're in they don't seem to have any daylight where they are or anything so yeah it must be tough to my mum about this there was like an experiment done where someone who like it's not big brother style but it, it kind of was but they basically spent they were supposed to spend a month in a place with no windows so they had no idea of time there were there was no clock so it's not like you know but they could they could do whatever they wanted, but they would spend a month and it had no natural light. So if you wanted like you turn the lights on and stuff. And they didn't even do a week, or maybe they only managed a week of it. And they'd done quite extreme things before, but they'd never done this. And um even in COVID, I was by a window. I could tell what time of day it was, but not having clocks and therefore not having any sense of time. 
Um, they drove them. They couldn't even do like a week. I don't know what it was. I'm gonna look that up. But they do. Um, I suppose for astronaut training, they lock them in for however long, don't they? Aren't they doing one where it's yeah. testing somebody going to Mars, and they so they literally just in a room with all that stuff, just seeing how long and what what the effects are of you just being in this one room with certain foods and and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had like access to like games. They could watch like. So all that, that everything was there, food, all that sort of stuff was there for them. They just didn't have clocks, so they had no time, and they had no windows, so they couldn't see light. And yeah, they couldn't even do a week. But I suppose the that's why, you know, in this society, you've got all the robots to do stuff for you and be around, and it is sort of luxurious because you are stuck in that place. Maybe that's why it's all luxury and stuff. I still don't know about the hats, but everything else. <laughs> You know, they're playing chess, they're having it. Um, you know, it is like a cocktail party in an Agatha Christie because... You're not alone. That's the difference. They're not alone. But if you were... when people start getting murdered, they are. But... but if you're freaked out by robots, that would not be a good place to be stuck in. Oh, no, God, no. no. Hidden phobia of robots for two mm. years. Um, There's a the bit where Leela throws her knife at the robot... And uh, it just she, bounces she, off him. But but it bounces off him. But also, she will use her knife. That she has got her knife to use when she's out and about. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I think I'd do the same if something was running at me to kill me, and he's very actively trying to kill me. Yeah. Uh, Toos doesn't have such a good time because it tries to get in a room, and she gets a plastic vase and just like knocks his hand off with this very very flimsy plastic vase thing. Yeah. The um. That was quite an odd scene. Like, if it was in there to kill her and she woke up, why didn't it just carry on killing her? Well, then it got some other orders and went off. Yeah, you'd think it would carry on its order to kill her. Yeah, it, it was waiting for it to be asleep. But I'm like, if your order's to kill, you're just killing it. Like, you just kill, don't you? Yeah, I liked all the pe- point of view shots, though. That added something Yeah, extra they to were really it. good. That I really helped. That. And that was quite scary, actually, seeing her being throttled point of view-wise for stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... In part four, we have more sort of robots everywhere. Everybody's on the bridge. The robots are trying to get in. We're sort of based under siege very much. And it's Dask, who we find out. And he's got his makeup on. I don't know why he's made up in green and silver just to look like a robot. I guess he's like trying to be like the robots to show that he's part of them. He was brought up by robots. That was his backstory, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, of course. His backstory is he was brought up only by robots. So maybe in his own way, he's trying to resemble them. Yeah, some of them are green, some of them are a bit silver, some are black. Mm. And um, then it's quite a simple. I mean, he ends up being killed by a robot, and the doctor gets does the helium and gets Leela to do the helium. So what I like about that, it's um, it sort of is based in real, obviously real science in a way. The voice recognition and what you use to change your voice. It's all. It's not a a scientific gobbledygook type of way out. It's actually a based in reality way out and Lila is part of that and helps that she's not just a stander by she's very active in that as well and is is really helping so I like those two elements but it is a bit of a uh, ending in terms of I suppose if it was an Agatha Christie you're the murderer you get arrested done it's not you don't have a big explosion and a big technical thing out of the way so it has to be a smaller sort of conclusion Um, but I feel like it's a very nice contained story with really good characters yeah, I really liked it. Like, like when you're doing something like this, it's really easy to pick up things. But actually, I did really enjoy it. I really enjoyed all the characters. I enjoyed the costumes. Well, that's the thing, um, you know. That's why last week 
I'm keep going back to Face of Evil because actually not a lot of but everyone sort of agreed with us on the Face of Evil. It's not a great story. Yeah. Which, um, but you know, you had the gnome people. If if they if the people in this were the gnome people or they were a bit more sort of out there, it just would you wouldn't believe as much. But everybody is very much part of that world, and you believe that they're part of that world, and it all just fits together. But my criticisms would be. The shoes, the tinfoil shoes, okay, that look can, like we can forgive like, that. Yeah, I can. I wish I can forgive because the rest of the costumes were so good. They were just like someone's put um, tissue boxes with tinfoil around to put it on their feet. Um, and then the crying scene that wasn't great, but otherwise, I really enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I do. I do as well. I can't really fault it very much at, at all. I don't think anybody can. That's why it's. Uh, what was your What was your favourite side character then? What out of the crew was anybody that stood out? Actually, up until he had, and maybe this is another Christian. Up until the sort of half explained robophobia or whatever it was, that guy whose name's gone. What Pool. was he called? Paul. 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 <laughs> Paul, Paul. He's called Paul now. Paul on the ship. <laughs> oh, all, that's why I questioned it. They've all got fancy names then, Paul. <laughs> You've not, Zilda, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul. So actually, human, it would be Paul. <laughs> but D84 is probably like number one. I heard. I don't know if it's true. I was reading. They were thinking about bringing him in, him in as a companion at one point. Oh, I can imagine that. I think that would have been really. I mean, good he fun. got killed, didn't he? Yeah, but he got killed. Yeah, he sacrificed himself. Well, all the robots blew up, didn't they? Um, yeah, but he was great. And yeah, there was a point when I thought actually, when he was with the doctor, I thought, I wonder if they'll have him as well. That would be amazing. Doctor Leela and D eighty four would be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because he can, you know, he can see kindness to his face. Yeah, I know. So nice. So nice. They all looked a bit like a BAFTA, didn't they? The faces. (laughs) (laughs) They were all BAFTA faced. I don't know if BAFTA had been invented. They must have had the BAFTA face by then at that point. Maybe not. I don't know. They might have. I mean, BAFTA's been around for a long time. When did BAFTA start? I'll Google it. Maybe BAFTA founded in the future or does found a mining corporation that creates these robots. Who knows? Sponsored by BAFTA, probably. Oh, they must have had that. Well, maybe BAFTA's been around, but then the actual face hasn't. I'm not sure. Oh, I feel like... Because I thought the face was based on someone. Okay, it started in 1947. Okay, there we go. It's definitely... As the British Film Academy... Okay, they must have had the face by then. That that statue must have been a thing by then. There we go. So maybe there was a bit of inspiration there for the robots. The president is the Prince of Wales. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Well. Well, oh, well, or oh, the new Prince of Wales. Oh, the, maybe. you're talking maybe about maybe the new Prince of Wales. No, I don't I wasn't... know. I'm on Wikipedia now. If, if I click on, no, no it is that... the new Prince of Wales. Yeah. It's a, it's all up to date. <laughs> oh, it's William. Yeah, <laughs> it's William. Up to date. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> 
So what are you are you still looking forward? Do you want Leela to get a different outfit? <laughs> Do you want things to carry on as Yeah, I want her to change your clothes. I wanted to like find some really interesting outfit in the TARDIS wardrobe. I mean the acting again, we, we always sort of skip over this, but Tom Baker is still amazing as a doctor. He's still actual peak. He's not really had any doubt like what do you know what I mean? No, in terms of acting, he is still up there as well. Yeah, it, no, all, it's all really good. They are all top act. You know, all the acting, apart from the crying scene, all the acting was absolutely amazing. Because uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't really talk about the doc, the, you know, Tom Baker's uh, as much, but he is brilliant. We don't need still. to because it's so strong. Yeah. Oh, and also we still got the old, the, the uh, other console room is still as it is as well. <laughs> as it is, old yeah. set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Then that console room. Um, well, I think it's very positive, actually, and it's uh, nothing else. Yeah, I agree. I'm really positive, yeah. Yeah, and I think, it, obviously, if you don't like the robots of death, please let us know, because I don't think that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> if you do like it, also let us know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a given. It really is. Um, okay. Uh, well, the next story yeah. is six episodes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. There had to be something <laughs> not positive this week. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have to work out a six-parter, and it's called The Talons of Weng Chiang. Oh, okay. <laughs> Your face. Um, yeah, so... It's because what was that film that we had to watch, like, four times? Uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, The, the, Tale, of, the, the Tale of Genji, I want to call it. Yeah. That's what I'm. When you said that title and the six first, part, I just had flashbacks of me watching that four times. <laughs> the Tale of Genji, the first ever book in the whole of history, supposedly, or Chinese book, or yeah, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I've got, I have got it. I've, I, yeah, anyway. Of course you do. Of course um, you do. I do not. I had no idea what was going on. And it on. was a film based on that, which is another another story. <laughs> a whole other story on that one. I think we got the plot at some point. I don't. Um, I, I, I genuinely, to this day, I don't even... If someone asked me what the plot of that was, I couldn't tell you. Because I just kept falling asleep and I would have to restart and be like, I can't remember this part. It's long, long process. It's in the greatest books ever. It's in the greatest books ever. <laughs> I mean, that's why I read Agatha Christie and then there were none because it's in my list of 100 books to read. Well, I've, got, I've got the uh, ITV version of it. Oh, I want to see that now. I want to see that. It's now really I've read good. it. Now I've read it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what, who was in it? Like, at the time, the guy that was in it was like the hot actor. And it's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah. I, I will track that down, actually. You've reminded me. Yeah. Um, okay, well, um, we will see you next week then for the Talons of Wing Chiang if we get through it. Uh, <laughs> we've not had a six I'm for sure ages. This, but Doctor Who has been very good to you recently and not given you any six times. I've, I've had the luxuries of fours for a long time. It was about time that I got mistreated to a six, so. Okay, um, well, thanks everyone for listening. We better get off. I think the um, we've got another lot of... Um, sand to mine haven't we so we better get on there it's our shift starting our shift starting we've got to take over from zilda she's uh sure. <laughs> zilda and yuvanov want their rest period yeah. uh so we better head off um <laughs> so you in the meantime you can find us on twitter and instagram at to watch who and you can support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash to watch who and we will see you next week see you next week everyone bye, bye. bye. to watch who